if you keep doing what you're doing and you do it well, it may take time, but good things will come of it because you keep getting better and better at what you do. Hello and welcome back to the Edit Undo podcast. We have another international guest for you today. This is going to be a great conversation. Um, as you know, I am Alfie and Mike. We have my co-host Stephanie. And today we are speaking to another artist. So this guy is someone I knew back from my time in high school. Thank God those days are over. But um, he is definitely one of the people who kind of was exploring the, the, the edges of the culture at that time. He is a amazing, amazing artist. Um, he is a graphic designer. And he is also used to be a b-boy. <laughs> one of the few that I did know in my time growing up. So, Levo, very much welcome to the show. It is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you both for, for having me on your show. And uh, I'm also glad the high school days are over now. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can finally uh, yeah. learn how to be adults and, and grow. Mm-hmm. Still learning, yeah. Every day, yeah, still. every day is a lesson and every day is an adventure. But uh, mm-hmm. like Alfie said, I, I draw, um, I make pictures. I don't know, that's pretty much it. I, I, I never know how to introduce myself. I just always help. Cool. So, but <laughs> <laughs> it's still drawing. Yeah, yeah. I, I draw pictures. What you, what you do is more <laughs> than just drawing pictures. No, no. I just, I just find it's drawing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like to complicate it because I let people. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I just say I draw, and then. It's, you know, whoever looks at it can decide, oh, this is a drawing, this is an illustration, mm-hmm. this, this, this is that. I just, I just make the stuff and then let people decide what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So maybe, maybe um, to start off, you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, the, the origin story, you know, starting from, maybe, and maybe you could start from when we first kind of parted ways at the end of the whole high school thing, like, how did you actually get to Japan? Because that's that's slightly far from where you started. Yeah, very far. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, growing up, I've always enjoyed drawing. And my sister has also enjoyed drawing for as long as I can remember. I think when I was five years old, I think I was five or four, I won a drawing competition from Spur. The chain restaurant in South Africa. I don't know if it's still around. Mm. Yeah, so I won this drawing competition and I had this voucher for a whole year whereby I could eat at Spur for free with my family. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a pretty cool voucher. Uh, but having busy parents, we didn't go back to Spur much, at least. And I think from that day on, I knew, hey, you know, I, I really enjoy drawing, just playing on crayons and just throwing paint everywhere on paper. And I was helping my sister draw pictures. And I always knew that drawing, well, I always believed that drawing wouldn't be able to pay the bills, or wouldn't be able to feed me because 
that's the that's the mindset of tr- sort of traditional African parents um, and Asian parents. I find as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they'd either like you to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or engineer, or an accountant, a real career, a real profession, and I always suppressed that side of me, um, the, the the drawing mm-hmm. side, the creative side. I loved doing it, but I never took it seriously. But when I got to high school, mm-hmm. um, got into break dancing, and I wanted to explore the four elements of, of hip hop, which are break dancing, graffiti, DJing, and MCing. So I can't rap, um, terrible. So MC was, was not in the picture. Uh, I can't DJ. I love listening to music, but I always knew that I'd never be a good DJ. So I stuck to break dancing and I started graffiti. Um, and I fell in love mm-hmm. with that. And my love for graffiti overtook my love for break dancing. And as I kept getting into graffiti, I started going into more intricate details. And I had a black book. So when you graffiti, you have this book called a black book. It's got sketches in it and the planning. And in that black book, I had just random drawings, so doodles and sketches and marble characters, drawings, and just anything that I could imagine I drew in that book. And at the end of high school, I started thinking, okay, what, mm-hmm. what do I want to do with my life? But I always knew that I'd like to go to med school. Um, coming from the medical home because my dad's a doctor and my mom's a nurse. So it just made sense, you know, following their footsteps. But I failed math by 3% and got rejected from med school. And I found out on the day the end of year exam results came out in high school, the trick, grade 12, for those of you who don't know. The triggers. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I, I can't go to med school. And I had a friend who suggested that I should go into creative field, which I could earn money from. So she recommended perhaps mm-hmm. architecture or interior design, or graphic design. And I, I had no idea what any of those were. I, I had a clue what architecture is because I love architecture, I love cool looking buildings. But I also knew that architecture needs math in South African universities, whereas in Europe or in, in Asia, you don't really need math. You just need a strong art portfolio. So architecture wasn't an option. Would have been a lovely option, but it, it was an option back then. And yeah, I went to this place called Design School of Southern Africa. Um, it's Mm-hmm. I think Vega bought them a few years ago now. So they, they co-joined with Vega. And I got there with my mom. And um, my mom was like, hey, uh, my son can draw. Can, can he study here? And I wasn't against the idea. So mm-hmm. I showed them my portfolio, which was all over the place. So keep in mind, some of these students had these immaculate portfolios. Because I didn't take art in high school. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't know how to make an art portfolio. I was just trying for fun and to kill time. But these students had immaculate portfolios and so neat and so proper. And mine was all over the place, just this blackboard, just dilapidated. <laughs> it, it just had no consistency. On one page, there's like a graffiti sketch. Mm-hmm. On one page, there's like doodles. And on another page, there's a drawing of an animal. There's no consistency. But I think what the lecturers were looking for was someone who can think out the box, and someone who can handle a pen or pencil, someone who's good with color, mm-hmm. and someone who can convey a message. So they they took my portfolio and they're like, hey, we you know this makes no sense, but we like it. Uh, can you come in two weeks later and take a test and do a live drawing test as well and an interview? It's like, yeah, no problem. Do I need to prepare anything? They're like, no, just bring yourself. That's amazing. Um, I was like, cool. And I did the test. Uh, we had the interview and they're like, man, this is good. You can go straight to first year. You don't have to do foundation year. Because one prerequisite for studying there was that you had to have taken something art related in high school. So it was art or I think CAD. I'm not sure. I think some schools, some high schools have mm. CAD. And I, I, took, I took none of those. So if you didn't take any of those, then you'd have to do foundation. So they're like, you can skip foundation. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's so sweet. Thank you. But in my first year of studying, I was, that's amazing. I was so negative because I felt like I didn't belong here. I felt that this mm. is my second choice. And I got really bad marks. I passed, but it wasn't satisfactory. I actually failed two modules. Um, I told my dad, like, hey, man, I don't think I want to do this. No, it's, it's not what I planned on doing in the first place. But he was like, hey, you, you know, you started it, just finish it. And then once you're done with it, see if, if you want to do something else or if you want to excel further in this field. And I, I carried on. And something that pushed me was a conversation mm-hmm. I had with a friend called uh, Jacob in 2014, mm-hmm. my second year, in Feb 2014. I remember it so vividly. I was in his green Hyundai Jazz uh, outside my apartment, and he was looking at my pictures and said, hey, man, this is really good stuff, and I think you have talent, and I think you have a bright future ahead of you if you take this seriously and work hard at it. And sure. that, that conversation just you know, flipped mm-hmm. the switch in my mind. It's like, hey, maybe if I do take this seriously, mm-hmm. who knows where this could lead me on. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. So wow. that week I decided you know, I'd like to have an exhibition one day and um, just like to, to draw. That's what I want to do with my life. I think that's it's amazing. That's the day I found out this is what I want to do with my life. This is what mm-hmm. I really want to do with my life. There's other stuff I'd like to do, but at the end of the day, this really makes me happy. And I'd like to be the best I can be in this field or at this craft. Mm-hmm. And sure. you know, there were times when my dad asked me, hey, so what, what is it that you do again? Like, What are you studying? Because he doesn't understand. And shame, I don't blame him. You know, I don't blame him. 
um, Jesus was what, like 62 this year. And it's mm-hmm. something my mom and dad have always wanted is for my siblings and I to be happy and to be able to take care of ourselves. So be independent and be happy. And I think they learned that lesson when my sister graduated from law school because she initially did not want to go to law school. She also wanted to do graphic design, but she was kind of, should I say coerced into going to law school? And yeah, she did it, but it wasn't the first choice as well. And she just became so unhappy and Mm -hmm. a little bit miserable. And I think my parents did not want to repeat that mistake with me. So like, hey, you know, study what you want to study, do what you want to do. If you're happy, we're cool with that. We'll support you. Um, just be responsible, be accountable, and yeah, have, have a good life. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty much how I got into art. You know, I had to fail. Yeah. yeah. For some people, I think life begins when you fail. And uh, I think I'm one of those people. You know, I had to... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I really had to fail to realize, like, oh, you know, it's it's not over. It's it's actually yeah. yeah. There's a whole rainbow, mm-hmm. like after this dark cloud. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Japan. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Japan. How did I get to Japan? So graduated from from design school and started working uh, for. Uh, IT university mm. and I was doing all the graphic design but I was still drawing mm. on the side I always just knew that I wanted to draw so every little chance I had I was just drawing just drawing making art selling art making art selling art making art selling art that was the way of life for me and mm-hmm. after that stint for nine months I worked at uh, a law firm in South Africa, Adams and Adams. So, mm-hmm. oh, wow. yeah, I was doing, I was doing design there for about 23 months, so almost two years. Yeah. Mm. Then I realized, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of corporate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, it's nice, don't get me wrong. I, I learned a lot about intellectual property. I met really amazing people there, but the corporate space wasn't for me. Mm. It's not bad. It's just not for me. Excuse me. And the place I've always wanted to go to was Japan. I always knew that one day I'd like to live in Japan for a little bit of time. I don't think I'd be here for so long, but yeah, I really like this place. Where did that come from? You say you always knew you wanted to go to Japan. Did you yeah. watch a anime series or <laughs> is there a family or friend member that exposed you to Japanese culture or why Japan? So I, I don't watch anime. It's pretty weird. People often ask me like, oh, why Japan? Is it because of anime? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't watch any anime. <laughs> now I've always been interested in um, Japan's economy. And the, the, okay. the work ethic and their attention to detail yeah. with design and hospitality mm-hmm. and the little nuances in their culture and language as well. 
Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, I would say my first exposure to Japan was through just design, Japanese clothing, uh, Japanese watches, um, Japanese music, Japanese food. Mm. And sure. yeah, so when I actually got, got here, you know, just my mind was blown. I, I must say though, Japan's perfect for, for visiting. I think if you have the means, certainly put that on your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Uh, living not super great. It takes a, a certain kind of person to actually live in Japan. But I think anyone can like traveling here, mm-hmm. but I don't think everyone would like living here. But it's nice. Can you tell, mm-hmm. a, tell a little bit more about why you say that? <laughs> I have never lived in Japan before. So. No, no worries. <laughs> uh, so the work ethic is very good, but you know, it comes at a price. People mm-hmm. often work very long hours. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's something that's just not good. You know, there's no work-life balance. Japan. Yeah. Work. Sure. Mm-hmm. Work is number one. There's a there's a saying in Japanese. Um, it's okyokusan wa kamisama, which means the customer is, is a god. So everything you do wow. is to please the customer. Sure. Which is also I think mm-hmm. a bit terrible because you know sometimes you'll go into a bar or a restaurant and there'll be a very rude patron or, or customer. And oftentimes staff don't do anything about it because they're afraid to offend the customer, even though the customer is in the wrong, clearly in the wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not very nice. Um, yeah, there's more good than bad, but mm-hmm. yeah, there, there is some bad. I'd say another bad is the two faces people have in Japan. So there's, uh, there's mm-hmm. honmai and tatamai. So honmai means that that's your true face. You know, that's the kind of face you show to your family and friends. And it's the face only you know. And tatamai is mm-hmm. the face you put out to the world. So you never really know how someone feels about you in Japan. Because they teach you mm-hmm. that from a very, very young age. Like, you know, don't be so forward. Um, don't be super honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which is weird because the Africans are so honest. You know, if, if I ask you, like, hey, Alfie, do you want to grab mm-hmm. a drink tomorrow? And you say no, that's no. fine. You know, I take no offense to that. That's fine. And I would expect mm-hmm. you to say no, but in Japan, you're like, ah, oh, maybe, you know, let me get back to you. And then it's, maybe usually means no. So take that as no. If it's maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But once you start getting to know the people in Japan. It's, it's, it's really nice. Um, you know, they start showing you their true mm-hmm. colors and they start opening themselves up to you. So again, there's, mm-hmm. there's more good than bad. Yeah. yeah. And how, what, what is it like for you? So on the topic of Japan, what is it like for you actually adapting to the culture? Because I mean, I mean, it had to have been a bit of a culture shock. Yeah. Oh, so uh, maybe this is a bit hard to believe, but I, I've had no problems in Japan. And it sounds weird, yeah. like I've had no problems in Japan. Um, it's, it feels like I'm here on a very long holiday. It's, it's just a bit co- too cozy. But of course, the, the biggest mm-hmm. issue 
coming here was the language because I, I couldn't speak Japanese when I got here. I knew how to read. So you arrived with not being able to speak a word. I mean, I could say hello and um, what's, <laughs> what's your phone number? I um, could say hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I couldn't have a conversation. Certainly not. Uh, and wow. on my second day here, I was in this train station called um, Shinjuku Station, which is probably in the top 10 busiest stations in the world. There's, there's just so many people in Shinjuku Station. And I was lost in so many platforms. I think 1.4 million people go through Shinjuku Station a day. Just a lot. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. So <laughs> it's busy, man. And I was, I was lost. And Japanese train stations are a maze. Um, it was so funny. I was just, just like, I'm probably stuck in this train station. Found my way out eventually, but yeah, I couldn't speak Japanese, and I I could only read two of the three uh, alphabets or writing systems. So Japan has three of them, and uh, hiragana, katakana, and kanji. So hiragana and katakana are all right. You can learn those in a month or two if you focus. It's fifty-two characters for hiragana and fifty-two characters for katakana. So it's about 104 for, for both those two characters. But then the other one, kanji, that's the hard one. So to be able mm. to survive and read you know, a newspaper or a book in Japan, you need to know 2,000 kanji. That's like daily usage kanji. So 2,000 characters. So all in all, you would need to know about 2,100 characters to read a book or to read how to cook rice or <laughs> how to use your microwave or <laughs> yeah but that's what i was saying earlier that the, the, the nuances crazy. of the language i find to be very beautiful because each one of yeah. these characters uh, has a special role so the one alphabet's yeah. used for foreign names and foreign words and then the other characters used for adjectives and verbs and Sure. Uh, proper nouns, and then kanji is is derived from Chinese, actually, from Chinese characters. So when I was in China, like I could surprisingly understand some Chinese. Like, I understood the okay. meanings. So yeah. the symbol for water mm. in China is the same as Japan. Symbol for water. So in sure. Japan, you'd say mizu or su, but in, in Chinese, it's also su, mm. which means water. So. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed learning the language. I'm still learning every day. I'm not like, perfect. I can't go mm -hmm. speak to the prime minister about intense politics, but I can have a conversation with him and I can hear him out and he can hear me yeah. out and we can understand each other properly. And I can go to the hospital and tell yeah. the doctor where it hurts. Yeah. Um, I can order That's things important. in the menu. It's very important, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can return items to a store if you know, they're defective. Or, I know I can, I can survive very easily now. Um, yeah, I can sign my yeah. own documents, can talk to a wow. lawyer if I need to. So, Jeez, that's intense. Yeah, um, I can understand the news. But you know, I was studying about three hours a day. So, wow. yeah, um, that's... For how long? 
Three hours a day. Three hours a day for two three. years. Jeez, like two, two four years throughout the day, and um, I'm still I'm still doing that these days, but not mm. as intense because I've gotten comfortable yeah. with language, and once you start getting comfortable mm-hmm. with language, you start to slack. Uh, the yeah. discipline starts to slack a bit, but right now my mm-hmm. focus is on certain types of vocabulary. So for December, I've been learning medical vocabulary. So it's random words like hypertension, hypertension. What is that in Japanese? What is a neurologist in Japanese? Um, what is hyperthyroidism mm-hmm. in Japanese? Just random words. And then mm-hmm. next month, I'll be learning legal Japanese. I've learned a little bit of that, but I want to learn legal Japanese. And after that, I'd like to learn I haven't decided wow. what it is for Feb, but I'm thinking local Japanese, uh, March. So I have these goals now where I'm trying to learn certain words of certain industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to put that in perspective, very... the English alphabet is 26 letters. Yeah. And you just said the, <laughs> yeah, the third alphabet is 2000. Yeah. And it took me, I think, three years of primary school to learn ABC. My alphabet. <laughs> yeah, ABC. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's sure. it's crazy to imagine. No, the, the two languages are um, completely different, I'll be honest. So, uh, Japanese and English are just worlds mm-hmm. apart. Completely different. Mm-hmm. A few, yeah. I mean, you know, some parts a little bit similar, but for the most part, it's completely different. Uh, so to learn Japanese, I would say uh, it, takes, yeah. it takes dedication. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to learn it, so I wanted to 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 shift gears a little bit no because I think there are many people who imagine imagine being an artist, especially in the early days, like while you're at school and all of that. Yeah. you've got this like creative drive that's burning in you. Yeah, but you know the general narrative around this space is that you're going to be a starving artist, <laughs> you're not going to be able to pay your bills yeah. and all of that. So can you maybe talk to us a little bit about like for you when you first started to see that this is actually like a possible financial future like you know like when you sold your first artwork and maybe you know when when maybe after your first artwork when it actually started to look like something that could support you from a financial perspective yeah so that's actually you asked you answered my question um when when i first sold my first artwork that's when i realized oh yeah this is good this is healthy I can survive. Mm. Maybe I won't be a billionaire or a multimillionaire, but I'll have a comfortable life um, if mm-hmm. I just keep at it. And I think that's what's important. What's important is your happiness, mm-hmm. what it is you want out of life. So I want a fulfilling mm-hmm. life. And for me, a fulfilling life is being able to do what you want to do uh, for much of your day, mm-hmm. every day. So, yeah, when I sold my first artwork, I was like, all right, uh, yeah. I can, I can, I can live off this. And how, how did that happen? Like, how did you, because I mean, mm-hmm. the first, the first sale is, seems like the most like difficult or the most foreign. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that first one? Like how much did it sell for? What was it? Uh, way that? So, <laughs> uh, so in 2015, because in 2014, I had that goal that, you know, I want to have an exhibition and I don't know how I was going to do it. I just knew I wanted to 
to exhibit my work in the gallery. And in 2015, when I turned 21, um, I thought to myself, this is, you know, this should be my, my birthday gift, my 21st birthday gift, is to exhibit my work. And I spoke to a gallerist in, in Pretoria, and he first saw my work and said, not good enough, you need to make it better. It's like, sure, I understand, um, I'll make it better. So I kept working, and then three months later, I showed him something else. It's like, all right, this, this looks nice. Can you make a collection of this kind of work? He's like, yeah, no problem. And I worked so hard on that, on that collection, man. Um, I was like sleeping in the gallery a week before the <laughs> opening night. It's wow. like there's a couch in the gallery, so I was like sleeping in the gallery and just trying to piece everything together. And it it, it became a success. Uh, I sold all the works I wanted to sell. Some I wanted to keep for myself, but all the works I wanted to sell, I sold. Uh, and the wow. first one I sold was wow. um, to my, my best friend's dad. Uh, they, they were a Belgian family. And they actually ended up buying more works from me after that first work which they bought. Oh, wow. And um, I, was self, I was So I was 21. Uh, keep in mind, right, I wasn't like paying any rent. Um, like all my expenses in life were... Very, I was very fortunate that all my expenses in life were, were mm. paid for. By, by my parents. So all that money I just got to keep as pocket money. And, and, and this was a solo mm. exhibition. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, this, this was solo. Uh, wow. 20, <laughs> 21 pieces for my 21st birthday. That's how many I sure. showcased. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah it was, it was You're a definitely lot. into symbolism, hey? <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. Um, I like to make things yeah. meaningful. <laughs> Yeah. Don't just uh-huh. showcase your work. Make it meaningful. Make it interactive. Make it fun. Make Story. it memorable. Because to this mm. day, I still have some people saying, oh, man, when are you going to showcase again on a birthday? Because it was so fun. Like, celebrating your birthday with you and coming there for art. Um, so those kinds of comments just keep you going because it shows that mm. people really mm. would like to see your stuff. I mean, I had some guy from Ireland, it's a 14-year-old guy, I don't know him, he just messaged me on Instagram, so, hey man, I don't know you, but I really like your stuff, please never give up, you inspire me, <laughs> I was like, this is so adorable, <laughs> that's amazing, yeah, he's like, I'm that's... 14, I'm starting high school, and I want to draw like you, I was like, oh, that's so, that's so amazing, man, <laughs> so it really touched my that's heart, amazing. and, um, so it was messages like those that, that kept me going. But yeah, back to that, the first work, the sale was 10 grand. Just that one Your work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And That's insane. Yeah. Um, and then the prices just went up as years went by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So For your first exhibition and a solo exhibition and being 21 and, you know, it's the first <laughs> art you're putting out to the public. That is such an incredible success Ooh. story. You're struggling to hear you, Steph. Ooh. Can, you, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we hear you now. Yeah. Okay. I was saying um, being so young and, you know, the first time you're putting artwork out to the public 
uh, your first exhibition as well as your first solo exhibition in one. That is an absolute incredible success story. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks so, so much. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't believe it as well. It's like, what is going on? I just want to draw. And I've always said that um, <laughs> I don't want to draw to make money. I want to make money to draw. Mm. So I want to have mm-hmm. enough finances to just draw. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want drawing to be the reason why I want to make money and survive. Mm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's good. If you yeah. constantly think about the money behind the work. Yes. Yeah. Your parents must have been so, um, were they surprised? I mean, you know, uh, especially if you don't come from a a family that's filled with artists, like you said, it was more like a very academic uh, medical family you came from. Were they surprised to see, you know, you're so young and you quickly made quite a big success of your first uh, exhibition at such a young age? Yeah, they were, they were happy, um, certainly happy. My mom, not so surprised. Uh, my dad, a little bit surprised because my mom would see me drawing every single day. Yeah. Every single day without mm-hmm. fail. Every day I would be drawing mm-hmm. for however many hours. Um, at one point, she, she kind of banned me from my drawing tools. She's like, hey, man, you need to recharge. Like, this is a bit unhealthy. Just drawing too much. You're not doing anything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a bit, was a bit dangerous because <laughs> uh, she, she kept telling me, like, you know, you're not sleeping enough and like hurting your organs mm-hmm. and you're hurting your brain, you're hurting your eyes. Uh, just, just sleep more, like go out more. It's like, no, I'm very happy doing this. Thank you. So. <laughs> I think for her, she knew that no, if this guy's putting in all this time and effort, it will pay off somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm. for my dad, yeah, he was a bit surprised. He was a bit surprised. But mm. um, so my mom and dad buy art as well. I think they've stopped now for the past like ten years because they, they don't have space for it anymore. But they've always loved art for as as long as I could remember mm-hmm. as well. And they never had anything against it. They just never pictured their own child being successful of it. Yeah. But they always knew that it's, it, it, it can pay because, you know, they've seen art prices and yeah. like, oh, wow, this, this is expensive. So they know what kind of industry it is. They know there is money in that industry. And they know that there are artists who are living comfortably from selling art. But I guess they just never pictured their own child in that light. Yeah. yeah. It it didn't become real until it was real. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I also surprised myself. I, I, again, I, yeah. I just wanted to celebrate my birthday with my friends and show my work to people. Um, and yeah, it, it surprised me. Caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from that exhibition, I had other people inquiring about the work. Just mm-hmm. People from all over like I had dude from England and dude from Miami and sure. lady from Australia. 
um, just just snatching up the works as well. So, did you freak out? <laughs> I um, would. <laughs> I just wanted to get the work to them. I always mm. said that mm. uh, more than the money, more than getting the money, the important thing for me is if someone really appreciates the work because mm. I would like the artwork to outlive me and outlive them. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's why you know, artists strive to make really nice art so that it can outlive yeah. them one day and they can leave their mark in society on yeah. the earth once they pass on. So I've always wanted to yeah. make sure that the person who buys my work really enjoys it. They really know what they're buying. And I never, mm-hmm. I've never told anyone like, ah, oh, you know, you must buy this now. Or, you know, like this is the sale. I always tell someone, like, take your time, think about it thoroughly. Do you really <laughs> want to buy this thing? And if you want to buy it, then yeah, let's let me sell it to you. But I always make sure that when I do sign it and sell it, I'm very happy with it. I have no doubts in mm-hmm. my mind that it's going to be mm-hmm. hanging very nicely on someone's wall and it will be making that person very happy. So um, it, it freaked me out in the sense that, do are people really pay me money for this? You know, that's, that's what freaked <laughs> me out. But it didn't freak me out in the sense that you know, I knew that I'm giving it my all. Um, and I'm trying to just mm-hmm. give quality to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Quality, quality you, is very important. Can you maybe speak a little bit about your creative process? Has it changed? What is your creative process that you follow when you make a new piece? So, yeah, it has changed. Uh, when I was younger, I just used to draw. Just... Mm draw and then see where it ends up. But as I started progressing, as I yeah, as I started progressing in my in my own art career, I started realizing that there needs to be more thought and planning to the work. So for example, right now mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on a drawing, um, a Mount Fuji drawing. Uh, Mount Fuji is Japan's most iconic mountain. Mm. And Mm. there was an artist called um, Hokusai. Yeah, Hokusai, Japanese artist. Mm. And his most famous artwork is The Great Wave of Kanagawa. It's this artwork of Mount Fuji. Mm, Yes, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. Katsushika Hokusai. That's, That's his full name if you'd like to read up on Katsushika Hokusai. And he made this article called 36 Views of Mount Fuji. So he's traveling around Japan and painting, making woodblock prints of Mount Fuji, different views. And right now, that series is still relevant in Japanese society. Mm. People still love that series. And people still remember Katsushika Hokusai. So right now, the artwork I'm making is called 21 Views of Mount Fuji in the 21st Century. And I've taken some pictures of Mount Fuji from Mm. different locations throughout Japan. And I'm trying to show how 
Mount Fuji is still as relevant today as it was back then. It's still super relevant today. It's just that the surroundings around it have changed. Now there's the Shinkansen, telephone wires, and <laughs> skyscrapers. All these things didn't exist back then. So yeah. that's the kind of thought mm-hmm. I put into making work now. I plan, you know, I need to take pictures of mm-hmm. this. These are the kinds of materials I need. This is the kind of message I'm trying to convey. And mm. yeah, I plan it out. So if I need to take pictures for, for reference, I go do that. Or I just buy photos mm. from Shutterstock on the internet. Um, if I need to interview someone, I try get that interview with someone who may know about the subject matter I'm trying to draw about. Um, yeah, and besides that, it's it's not really it's not rocket science. I just draw. So once I have all my information, I just put it out on paper. Uh, usually, I'll sketch it out, pencil, and then yeah, mm-hmm. one layer of pen and ink, and then another layer of pen and ink, and then I'll start just painting, adding the embellishments like gold leaf or Swarovski crystals. Um, mm-hmm. or copper dust or anything to make it pop as people would mm. say yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you yeah. about a specific piece I came across your Instagram feed that I was so blown away with um, it's called siblings oh okay <laughs> and uh, firstly I think the first question I had was Immediately when I looked at it, I saw a big Japanese influence, um, at least from my exposure of Japanese art and aesthetic. It did speak to me um, in that way, especially your color usage as well, you know, the black, the white, and the red. Um, did the w- Once you moved to Japan, did your uh, style evolve a little bit with the influence of Japanese aesthetic? Is that aesthetic now part of your style? So I, I actually made siblings back in 2018, so a mm. year before I came to Japan. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe Japan was you know, in my body already, in yeah. my mind already, I yeah. don't know, but... Um, I, I wasn't thinking about Japan when I made siblings. I, I just knew red is a nice color. I, I love red. It grabs your mm-hmm. attention. But yeah, I would say since living here, my style has evolved a bit, um, quite a bit actually, because now that my mind's at more ease, um, I'm able to take Longer mm. times producing more work, yeah, yeah, more risks as well. Um, I'm experimenting more, and I'm seeing cool things which I didn't get to see back in South Africa. Sure. Yeah. So I think, as an artist, if you do move around, generally you will uh, get some inspiration from the new place you, you're living in, unless it's a really mm. terrible place, but. Even that, you can still find beauty in the hideous. Yeah. There's another piece you um, you create, and I don't know, Alfie, if you can pull it up on the screen. Go for it. Um. So the thing that I wanted to ask is, there's something that's very interesting about this style. 
So there's an anime that's very, very, very big at the moment. It's called um, Demon Slayer. I don't know if oh, you yeah. might have come across it. Yeah, so in that anime, Japanese. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's really, 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 really big at the moment. Um, it's mm-hmm. one. I think it's it's done one of the best of any anime, especially like it's penetrated Western culture. It's penetrated like here into like the movie came out. I think earlier this year. Sure. Um, and this this style really reminds me of it, and like especially um, because the one thing that's really great about that anime, I think, is it takes the the aesthetic of of sort of modern anime, but then it brings in this sort of like drawing style to the animated um, aesthetic. And it feels like the waves that, because there's also like this water element to one of the characters in it. And I feel like the waves that you've got here really speak to that style. So can you, I don't know if if there was any inspiration around how you kind of came about the style or there's anything that you, that you want to speak about specifically relating to um, the stylistic elements of this. Uh, I, I love waves. I just love waves. I, I love the ocean. I love by the coast, actually. And mm. so growing up, my sister and I always knew that we'd like to live in a place where there's an abundance of green, sort of like a forest, and then right next to it there's mm. the ocean. And that's that's where I'm living right now, these beautiful forests. And Amazing. So that, like, that side <laughs> is the forest. And really nice rivers. And then behind me is, oh, wow. is the beach. Um, sure. So I yeah, I love I just love water, man. I, I really, really, really love water and I love waves and how they move. I love the fluidity of of water. And mm-hmm. that's what I try to portray in my art is fluid motion, just fluidity. Just mm-hmm. smooth lines. Um, movement as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just love it. It just talks to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, fair so enough. And I, I guess you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 the weird thing about creative, um, like visually creative fields. It's like you know, people always ask you to explain things, but some of the things can't actually be vocalized. It's kind of more yeah. based on a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I find uh, words are woefully inadequate and that's Mm -hmm. why i i draw because i don't speak well so (laughs) so i was actually i was interviewed three years ago um a few days before my second solo on on morning live and i was just told by my pr lady like hey uh, two days later, you've got an interview with Leanne Manners on, on Morning Life. It's like, really? <laughs> She's like, yeah, <laughs> sure. go out there, do your best. And I was, I was so nervous. Like, I just, I don't know, I think I butchered it. But uh, people who watched it were like, hey, man, we, we really enjoyed your interview. And then I had parents messaging me like, hey, so, you know, my daughter or my son wants to also draw for a living like can you give us advice like where to study so you know i was on this on the show uh speaking to this distinguished interviewer but Mm -hmm. you know all along i thought i'm just butchering this i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) but it turns out (laughs) that it resonated with some people and some people Mm -hmm. really thought that that information was very useful to them yeah so yeah, I still, I still always say that words are, are inadequate, 
for me personally, and that's that's why mm -hmm. I draw. Um, yeah. So like you're saying, I I can't I can't tell you why. Waves. Mm -hmm. I just love waves. I love fluidity very so, much. So there's uh, there's a picture that that, that we kind of saw on Instagram that Stephanie and I had been debating about. Okay. And it's a picture <laughs> with you, and you've got two pencils in your hand, and we were trying to figure out like. Are you firstly are you ambidextrous? Secondly, <laughs> is there like a a drawing style that requires two pencils? No, no or that. was it just the angle? <laughs> no, there's no draw. I, well, maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe there is. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I I do use both my hands when I draw those, so I'm a little bit ambidextrous. What? Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And is that something you learned, or is that like have you had you always been ambidextrous? No, no, I taught myself that right. for drawing. I, I can't for well, I can't do it for other things, really. I mean, unless, you know, I'm driving and you put my hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> cutting Hopefully. fruits and veggies and, you know, I need one hand to fall down the fruit and veggie. But for doing uh, technical tasks like drawing or writing, um, mm. yeah, I, I taught myself how to, to do that just for drawing. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Do you still yeah. use that technique using both hands now when you're making pieces? Oh yeah, yeah I still use them. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I, yeah. I, like every time I try to use my left hand for anything that isn't like super mundane or super basic, yeah. I'm just like, for example, <laughs> if I lost my one arm, I would become useless. No, yeah. my left hand is like, <laughs> it feels like it's just, yeah. It's I, you can you can do so much more. Like if you train your left hand, it's it's amazing. Gosh, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you're not gonna you try, then I hope you don't lose your, your right hand. Okay. I hope so too. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> this photo where you are pictured with both hands on um, the paper, mm. it's also a symmetrical piece. Oh yeah. Which also just blows my mind i would get if it's a non-symmetrical piece where you're using both hands because then um for me you have different expressions in both hands especially because you know obviously now you're trained to use them or, or they have the same hand eye coordination but to make a symmetrical piece wow that's just <laughs> yeah because yeah. you learn how to draw a circle, for instance, with your right hand, you know, going that way. It's such mm -hmm. a natural movement. But then doing it with your left hand, you're also going in the opposite direction because, yeah. yeah, coordination changes. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it was very hard yeah. to get into the habit of doing that. But once you start practicing and doing it, then you really get into the swing of it. It becomes easier and easier mm -hmm. and easier. So uh, another question I had more around the, the subject matter of some of your pieces. So in some of them, I see um, a fair amount of, um, I hope I don't get this wrong, but I think it's Hindu in um, influence. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit towards either that subject matter or kind of where some of your inspiration comes from um, in, in some of the work that you do? Yeah. So... So this might be a long-winded answer, but... Uh, We've got time. <laughs> so like I said earlier, I, I want to make money to draw. I don't want to draw to make money. And I think if you get into the habit of 
or the mindset of uh, drawing to make money or painting to make money and signing to a gallery. And sometimes you sort of sell your soul because the art market is, it's actually, I mean, there's a lot of money, but it's, it's quite small and there are quite a few gatekeepers in the art market. And mm. you'll have gallerists tell you like, you must have the style and you must do this kind of work and this time yeah. you must paint. And, Cause for them, it's just money. They just want to sell your art and make money, um, which is unfortunate. So I always knew that I don't want to stick to one style in my entire life uh, or one subject matter. Sorry. I want to have the same style, but not the same subject matter. So if I draw an apple and a cup of coffee, just a you know, still life of an apple, and like a cup of mm-hmm. coffee, then that style should look the same um, throughout anything I draw. So if I draw that and I draw, I don't know, a portrait, you should be able to tell like, oh, you know, he drew this. Mm-hmm. You know, he drew this, yeah. he drew this, he drew this. Whether I drew mm-hmm. a portrait or, or this pen or the scarf or that mm-hmm. portrait behind me there, I've always kept that goal in my mind that I want people to be able to tell um, that I drew this irrespective of what it is that I draw. So my subject matter changes Mm -hmm. um, as time goes by. So sometimes I feel like I want to do something about religion because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking at religious texts. So there's this artwork I made back Mm -hmm. in 2016 called The Amalgamation. And that was inspired by religion and mythology. Because during that period in my life, I was asking, I was confused about religion. So I wanted to explore religion through art. So I went to temples and I went Mm -hmm. to mosques and I went to churches and I looked through various religious books and I put that all into that drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like a year later, the Belgian family I spoke about earlier, uh, the dad commissioned me for a Kama Sutra artwork. So I made a Kama Sutra artwork. Uh, siblings, you know, is inspired yeah. by, by nature and butterflies because siblings part two, the, the one with the butterflies, I was, I was in love at the time and it felt like I had butterflies in my tummy. <laughs> and uh, that's why there's a huge oh, butterfly motif cool. and the waves mm representing mm-hmm. the overwhelming feelings of love that I had in my life. It's just like consuming me and consuming these little butterflies. So the, the subject matter changes, but the style will mm-hmm. never change. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just draw um, one that inspires me at the time. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I find not very many people do that. There, there are like a lot of artists kind of have a number of different styles mm-hmm. and it sort of develops over time. Like, I guess two questions. The first, when did you kind of first decide that, okay, I need to define my own style as an artist. And then can you also talk a little bit about how you went about doing that? Oh yeah. So when I was gallery hopping uh, in university, mm. You know, some artworks looked a little bit generic. Um, so, you know, I would see like, oh, this is a painting of jacarandas. 
And that's it, you know, it didn't really say much more to me. I just think it's, it's, it's just a painting of Jacarandas, that's it. And mm-hmm. I always knew that I don't want to make art that looks like a photograph or art um, whereby I can just take a photograph of something. So yeah, photorealistic. Yeah, yeah. photorealistic does, just does not do it for me unless it's, it's cool, right? So this portrait here is not photorealistic. It's, it's a human, you know, you can tell it's a human, yeah. but it's not photorealistic. I can't point my camera out and take a picture of a person and come out <laughs> like that. But can I turn my camera? Yeah, yeah. go for oh, it. Okay. Show us. But Give us this, a tour. Uh, this painting is, oh wow! I would say, a little bit photorealistic because the waves are just so well-detailed and um, it looks photorealistic, but there's a story behind it. And mm. yeah, there's actually something going on. You know, I can't just take a picture of of the scene. So I'm always mm-hmm. I'm always gunning for a style where it's it's a little bit hard to replicate. I've always known that I want to make that kind of work. Oh, right? You yeah. can't just take a photo of it or um, you can't just replicate it. Yeah, and I, I always knew I don't mm-hmm. want to be boxed, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, level yeah. is the artist who draws animals, or he's the artist who draws trees. He's the artist who draws picture, uh, I don't know, cars. Because yeah. there's certain artists for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But then you have yeah. artists. They, yeah. There's a lot of artists out there that um, that struggle to develop and get confidence in their style. Mm. And it seems like, you know, firstly, you have an extremely distinctive style. Um, and maybe that's contributed to your success as well. And it, from what you're saying, exploring different uh, subject matters, it to me seems that you are quite confident in what your style is so that you are uh, feel safe enough to explore different subject matters. Is there some advice or guidance you can give other artists that are still developing their style or maybe don't feel like, you know, their style is distinctive or they're not quite sure what their style is? Mm. Yeah, I mean, firstly, nothing's new under the sun. So what you are doing, someone has probably done it or someone is probably doing something similar. And that's fine. Don't feel bad for that. Don't feel bad about that. That's okay. But like Picasso always said, you know, a great artist, um, what he said, I don't want to butcher his quote, but he said something along the lines like great artist copies and makes it better, which is what the Japanese also do. Japanese people mm. have been known for taking ideas from other countries and making it a whole lot better. So, you know, don't be shy to look at someone's work and try draw what they drew. Because maybe within that, you'll find something uh, that you like from that person's work. And then don't be shy to take someone else's work and and make what they make. Obviously, don't publish it and sell it as your own. Mm. Just do that for practice. Take Mm. this style and paint like that and then take your pen and then just doodle on that because you saw someone else's artwork. 
And you just want to doodle that on there, and then you'll see, like, oh, you know, I, I like how this looks. This looks different. So you need to experiment. Mm-hmm. Just keep experimenting with your with your materials. You know, use mm-hmm. <laughs> pen and paint. You know, use yeah. pencil and gold leaf. Whatever. It, it doesn't matter what you use. Just experiment. I would say that's the most important thing because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. You, you'll never know what you like creating or what you can't create if you're comfortable and you don't experiment. You must experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is your me- mediums that you use? I mainly use pen and ink mm-hmm. and acrylic paint. Uh, recently, I've been using a lot of gold leaf and a lot of Swarovski crystals as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, certainly pen and ink, those are my core mediums. The rest is just mm-hmm. to embellish the artwork. Yeah. Um, another question I had for you is more about inspiration. So you, you mentioned about um, kind of visiting these temples, mosques and churches when you were kind of exploring religion. But, you know, that, that really only speaks towards that specific subject mm. matter. Do you have like an approach, you know, if you are an artist and you are struggling to find inspiration and you are, struggling to tell a, a unique story, how, how do you approach getting inspiration and what might you say to a person who needs some guidance? Well, it depends on what kind of artist you want to be. So uh, if you want to just paint portraits, for example, if you just, again, I point to this one, if mm-hmm. you just have this art style and you just want to paint portraits, I don't think it'll be too hard to find inspiration because they are human beings everywhere. And mm-hmm. you can just ask someone for a photo. Mm-hmm. But if you really mm-hmm. want to get into the thick of things and mix subject matters together and tell your own story, I think that's, yeah, that can't be taught. I think that's something um, that uniquely comes to, to every creator. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that question, really. Um, it, it just comes to me personally. I can't say it. Like, okay. I have a long list of things I want to explore and draw and paint. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to do that. So I, I can't tell someone okay. like how they can, how they must get inspired. I would say certainly ex- uh, explore mm. Go mm. as much as you can go out there, see new things try different experiences. Mm-hmm. I think you, you really find answers in, in doing something you've never done before, being in places you've never been before. So yeah, I would say definitely explore. Um, have a lot of conversations with people. Talk to people. You'd be surprised what you learn from just talking to people. All types of people. Yeah. yeah. Maybe within that, a story can spark your imagination. Um, for me, I watched cartoons a lot when I was when I was young. So cartoons mm-hmm. really just inspired me because I, I thought to myself, these these people are not real. These events are not real. Um, this is just so beautiful. It's entertaining. It's nice to watch. It's not real. 
So I mean, so I thought to myself, well, the person who thought of this, uh, what inspired him? What inspired her? Mm-hmm. But then I, I realized that answer, that person cannot give that answer really, I think, because it's just something that comes to you. Mm-hmm. Cause people always say, well, I always tell people drawing is easy. And to be fair, drawing, you, anyone can be good at drawing, but not everyone can be mm-hmm. creative, super creative. Mm. So if you take this pen and put it on a table and say, hey, draw this, first time, it won't look good. Second time, it'll be better. Third time, much better, and so on. Mm. So anyone can learn Mm -hmm. how to do that. Anyone can learn how to draw, right? But if I say, hey, um, draw this pen and make it look cool, that's where the creativity comes into play. What are you going to do to make Mm. it look cool? Will you draw the pen with wings on it? Will you draw a worm coming out of the pen? Will you draw the pen with legs on it? And that can't be taught. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that can be taught. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the skill can be taught, but the creativity can't be taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lebo, do you live alone? I live alone. Yeah, I live alone. And well, no, I I live any... with my uh, with my baby Haru over here. Um, yeah, a oh, oh, little yeah. fish. Yeah, my fish. <laughs> not a not a human, <laughs> not a human baby. Though. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, I was gonna be like, how no. did you how did you make a baby alone? That's, <laughs> that's not easy. <laughs> no, I live with Haru. Uh, have you? How long have you been in Japan now? I've been here for. 20 months since okay. July 2019. So on my birthday, on my 25th yeah. birthday, um, I got to Japan. I landed in Tokyo. Of course, symbolism. Yeah, no, that was actually the reason. I was like, you know, I'd like to start the next quarter of my life uh, in a place which I think I'll enjoy. And... and- Mm-hmm. How has it been being alone? I know uh, from what I can hear, you know, as an artist, your mom told you to stop drawing because you get so immersed into it. So it seems like you're quite okay being by yourself. But has it been lonely being by yourself there? Uh, no, I, I keep myself busy and um, mm. talk to my girlfriend as much as I can as well. Um is she there or is she here no right now she's she's in the philippines and uh, okay covid is making it a bit hard to see each other get back yeah Yeah. but uh i think i'm just like the two of you we we all want covid to go away or at least the fear around it to to go away to end because i don't think it'll go away it's i think it's here to stay just like the common cold Mm. But I think it's the fear and mm-hmm. the hysteria, which is kind of driving us all mad now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I I keep myself busy. So again, swimming, cycling, futsal, drawing, reading. I love cooking, so I cook a lot. I love going on drives. Um, I like exploring Japan. Uh, talking to my girlfriend, mm-hmm. spending some quality time with friends, talking to my family, 
So yeah, that, that definitely keeps me busy in a day mm. or in a week. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I would say I'm in a good place regarding. Okay, yeah, that's good mm. to hear. Regarding fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely mm. doesn't sound like you're a massive extrovert and people person. I think Alfie would die if he had to move to <laughs> Japan. <laughs> and firstly, not speak the language. So you yeah. can't make friends immediately and be isolated by yourself. And then the whole COVID lockdown as well. Yeah. No, luckily we... I would not survive. I would not We didn't survive. have lockdown. Yeah. The government just asked everyone to stay home. And this was last year for a few months when the government said, okay, guys, can you, can you guys stay home? Um, COVID's here. It's kind of serious. You know? It's like, yeah, cool. We'll do very, that. Yeah. Yeah. And people, a very compliant culture. Very, very compliant, uh, very disciplined in that regard. And uh, yeah, we just did our part. Mm. Um, sure. Yeah, it worked out well. Because right now, the cases in Japan have just shot down by a huge margin. Yeah, it's just... It's wow. almost as though people have forgotten about this COVID in Japan. Isn't that a nice thought? Yeah, it's a nice thought, but we, we are aware that it's still here. We still wear our masks mm. and sanitize. And mm. yeah, I think something that's also helped Japan is the cleanliness. So it's, mm. it's very clean in the streets. Mm. Yeah. And restaurants are very clean as well. And, uh, people here take hygiene seriously. Um, not everyone, mm. of course. You know, I don't want to oversell yeah. the society, but... For the most part, yeah, it's, it's very clean. So, Lebo, do you mind telling us a little bit about the, the project that you just came from? You said that you were working on some kind of a mural or something like that? Yeah, I've actually got two friends who have a bar. Well, they're opening a bar uh, mm. next week, Friday. Mm. And they just asked me to spray something on for them. So I thought I'd just go ahead and mm. black and white, but then I'd turn into something colorful and very unexpected. So it's actually my first mural in Japan because I haven't done a mural in Japan. So it's it's quite special, and uh, mm. the people really loved it as well. And I was really inspired by what we painted because they also helped these two guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and um, it's they've never done it, so they were just learning along the way. But it came out really, mm-hmm. really nice. I was actually very happy with the results, and so they were. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very happy about the mural. Are you allowed to share with us like what it looks like? If you had to describe, and then we'll post a picture so all the listeners can also see. But I'm super intrigued to what it was. Yeah, I can, I can share it. Hmm. Um, do you, can you can you maybe talk us a little bit through like the subject matter or, or yeah. like what the, <laughs> the mural was actually about? So. Murals I've made have always been shapes. I never draw detailed elements mm. into my murals. It's always just shapes. Mm. And the first one I did was three years ago, which was just black and white. And then it progressed into black, white, and red on another mural I did. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was full color. So today, mm-hmm. it was also full color. But it's colors I've never used. So I was just trying to experiment with colors and shapes. Because if I had mm-hmm. to do what I do on paper on mural, that would take way too long. So I, I'd rather mm-hmm. keep it simple with the murals. Um, mm-hmm. And take. Why did you just. 
Mm. Go ahead. So. Oh no, I just I just take shapes from the actual yeah. paper artworks and make those murals, just the shapes. Mm-hmm. Interesting process. And you said you used colors you've never used before. Was that because of the the restaurant or the bars color scheme, or why did you decide to use new colors? Yeah, partly because of that. So they've got this dark green countertop. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be really mm-hmm. nice if one of the colors from the wall matched with that countertop. And there's a bit of red in there as well, so we put a little bit of red in there. Um, there's no blue, but we put blue in because they really like blue. They love the ocean. It's an island nation, so they really love mm-hmm. the ocean here. And we put a little bit of blue in there as well, and a black and shades of off-white. Can you show us your hands? I want to see the, the paint colors because I can see the still residue on your hands to actually see the, the colors so, you use. There's that green, yeah. Um, oh, that's a lovely green, yeah. Flip. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's quite a dark green. And, yeah. Um, like an emerald green. Sure. So pretty. Yeah. Evidence of the process. Evidence yeah. of the process. <laughs> but it it was a good day i i really enjoyed it and uh, made me realize i should probably start doing more murals in japan i think i'll enjoy it yeah yeah but there's just there's not a lot of graffiti in this country um Mm. that's the thing though it's a bit hard to find graffiti in japan Mm. That's actually very interesting that you mentioned that because we previously spoke a bit about the Japanese culture and, you know, I think, mm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but graffiti's origin is a lot about rebellion, um, speaking up the voice that, that can't be spoken in public and, you know, all of that jazz. Um, so I'm just trying to make assumptions here as to why there wouldn't be a graffiti movement or ever have been in Japan. Have you done a bit of research on that or do you have an answer? I've never done actual research. Yeah. But what I think, I could be wrong, um, so don't quote me on this, mm-hmm. but what I think is that... <laughs> we will. <laughs> well, it's it's very policed here, so it's a bit hard oh, to just okay. spray. I mean, there is some graffiti here and there in Osaka, Tokyo as well, but it's... Nothing massive like what you'd find in Johannesburg, in uh, Mawuneng, mm-hmm. or in mm. New York, or in another any other global major city. Yeah. So Interesting. I think the other reason is because people like the walls a bit simple, like on the outside. Inside places, yeah, there are some murals. You can see some really, really nice graffiti. But um, on the outside, you don't really get to see it. And I think people prefer it that way. Mm. Yeah. Very clean nation. Yeah. They, they, they very, like it very clean. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting topic, actually. <laughs> Something to explore if you're writing a thesis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll actually look into it. It's, uh, it's, I've never looked into it, but I, yeah. I probably will look into it at some point. Because I do think about it a lot. So now that you're done with this mural, what's next? Uh, do you have a next project coming up or what is in the horizon for Lebo? So 
right now just make art. I'd like to have a good amount of big drawings and a good amount of small drawings ready for next year. So this year, make a lot of art and mm -hmm. stay focused on that. I can't quite share what's in the pipeline for next year. <laughs> 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 but for this year, it's just making art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For next year. Okay, and that's very... I'm very intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, my eyes out. Yeah. Please do. Please do. But I will mm -hmm. keep you in the loop um, as the time gets by. Uh, as we get close to the time, I'll, I'll let you know what what it is that's been brewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we can we can record another episode once you're closer to the big reveal. And yes. Then, and you can kind of highlight whatever it is that you're working on. Okay. Okay. Amazing. I guess that's I'm really it at the end of the day. So, you know, it's that um, if you keep doing what you're doing and you do it well, Mm -hmm. then it may take time, but good things will come of it because you keep yeah. getting better and better at what you do. Mm -hmm. So that's something my lecturer taught me was that just always keep producing, always keep creating and being better than being, being consistent. That's what it is. Just be mm -hmm. consistent. Mm -hmm. And that way you're always ready for a lot of things, not everything, but you're ready for a lot of things that may come your way mm -hmm. um, in the industry. Yeah. So yeah, the goal is to be consistent. <laughs> That's what's on the horizon. Nice. <laughs> cool. I think that's, that's a good place for us to call it. Um, Maybe just before we, we kind of close the curtains, do you want to give us an idea of where, um, give everyone an idea of where they can find you, where they can follow you, like what's the most up-to-date platform? I would say Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. Can you leave the details in the description? Yeah, we yeah, definitely will. We'll do that, definitely. Okay, okay. So Instagram and uh, website as well. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, email. If you like to send me an email, that's also cool. Yeah, that's pretty much Perfect. it. I'm not. I'm not everywhere. I'm. I'm there, but I'm not everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Um, and I think it's quite cool that you're also open to people just chatting to you on email. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, Level. Um, and you know, sharing just your journey and your story. And we are very much going to keep our eyes on what you're going to be doing and producing in the next year and yeah i'm very stoked to see this mural and get a photo of what it actually looks like thank you thank you guys for having me as Thanks, well um, it's a very very good time being here and uh, let's stay in touch and Definitely i wish you all will, the best yeah. mm -hmm. to everyone listening thank you very much and that's a wrap cheers